Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. As I get into the message tonight, I'm going to talk about something serious tonight and uh, want to really uh, equip us and speak to us and challenge us and call us to arms. How many of you realize in our country right now that the South African government is notorious for not taking responsibility for what they're supposed to do? They're not taking responsibility for the crime, not taking responsibility for the roads, not taking responsibility for the transport system, the hospitals, the water, the electricity, maintenance and repairs. Discovery Health has to fill the holes in the road. How many of you know that is the government's responsibility? And it's a very sad condition that we're in. Traffic lights don't work. They're out for weeks on end. And this is not a gripe of the government. It's trying to tell you tonight that God has called us as men to be responsible. I was just realizing that all the historic buildings in our country are being neglected. There's one of the buildings in Parktown North. It's the oldest building in Parktown. It's on the historic list, but it's just a complete ruin and no one is responsible for it if you call them up and try and figure it out. The new library hotel, one of the landmarks in the country, uh, is neglected. The Rand Waterboard building, which uh, is an amazing building, government's custom house, Clegg house. All these buildings are not being kept up and passed on to the next generation as, as historic. And uh, I was reading that the Northwest government spent $16 million tarring an eight-kilometer stretch of gravel road, and then the, 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 the residents complained, so now they're having to spend $100 million to fix it. It originally was $16 million to tar it, now it's $100 million to fix it. And if you ask anyone, no one is responsible. It's quite shocking. Also, the, uh, the famous site that's just up the road from us, off 12th Avenue, the Lily's Leaf Farm, Historic in our history, place where Nelson Mandela was, I visited there. It has had to close down because they were given an eight million grant by government and now they can't give an account of it and they can't say who's responsible for where that money's gone. So as a result, they shut the doors of that place and it all boils down to one thing, a lack of responsibility. And no one is taking responsibility to clean, maintain, develop, or improve our country. I don't know if you realize it, but it is a man's responsibility to clean, maintain, develop, and look after his life and his surroundings, his family, and wherever he finds himself. In fact, if you find anywhere where it's filthy, dirty, and there are men there, you can actually point your finger at them and say, you are not being a man, because being a man is not about the size of your body, the fact that you have an external organ, or that you've got a beard. Being a man means you take responsibility. It's the essence of manhood. If you like flowers, if you don't like motor racing, that's okay. That's not manhood. Manhood is about responsibility. And South Africans, we don't understand what it means to be men. We think it's something else. Why are we alive? What is our purpose? What has God put us on this planet to do? Are we here to plant seed and procreate? Are we here to lie around and drink beer and watch sport and then endlessly discuss it and get into arguments about it? I felt like having a prayer line tonight for all the supporters. 
You go to bed discouraged. Life is more than that. It's more than being top of the log. It's more than who wins the Grand Prix. It's about taking responsibility on behalf of God on the planet to rule and to lead. And we really don't realize why we've been created. I want us to read Genesis chapter 2. And we all know Genesis chapter 2, but we're going to read it tonight because it's good to read Scripture. And we'll see how God appointed men to lead and what happened when they didn't. And then we'll unpack it and we'll look at six things this evening, the number of man as to what our responsibility is. And I've entitled the message tonight, Man is the Keeper of the Garden. Man is Keeper of the Garden. And by that, I do not mean your garden. In fact, I don't even keep my garden. I have a gardener because I'm just too busy and I don't enjoy cutting grass. But it means much more than gardening. We are on this planet as keepers of this planet and not like the keepers of the planet currently who are obsessed with global warming and environmentalism and vegetarianism. That's not the way we're meant to look after the planet. We're meant to guard it, protect it, and develop it. And so we're going to read from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5, and it says, Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. Why not? For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and secondly, there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man. Why? Because he needed him to work the ground. From the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Can you see here? Purpose. It wasn't just part of, gee, I'm bored. Oh, okay, I'll make a man. Do you think it's a good idea? Okay, let's do that. Now, there was a divine purpose in every detail. And it says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed as a keeper of the garden. The Lord had made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We continue, the Lord, took, the Lord God took the man Watch here, and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Can you see? Man is the keeper of the garden. And the Lord commanded the man, you're free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Men not only have responsibility, they have limits. We have limits. And God has given us so much, but then he's also given us limits rights and responsibilities. Now we switch to G Genesis chapter 3. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. Just stop here for a moment. Do you notice that the devil is having a conversation with someone else's wife? I wonder if you let people talk to your wife, talk nonsense to your wife, or do you realize that as keeper of the garden, you need to intervene and say, sorry, excuse me? No one's just free to come into your household your family, and talk nonsense to your kids and your wife. You are the keeper of the garden. That's what it means to be a man. 
Even if you don't pump iron and you don't have pecs, you are meant to take responsibility for your home. You are the keeper of the garden. The devil still goes on conversation. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, this is the most profound verse here in the Scripture. When the woman saw that the fruit, fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. Now, watch this. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it what was he doing while the devil was having a conversation with his wife i'll tell you what he was doing nothing nothing absolutely nothing and god designed you to be a keeper of the garden and there he is doing nothing then the eyes of both of them were opened they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together made coverings for themselves and hence the fashion industry was born. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord as he was walking in the garden, the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to who? To the man. Where are you? I believe God's asking the same question of not just us as men in this room, because we, we're here serving God, but he's calling men today and asking them, where are you? You're, at, you're doing something else. You're doing nothing when I've called you to be a keeper of the planet, of the garden, of the family, of the household of God. And you know what? Because of our proclivity to be attracted by sight, most men are hiding from God feeling guilty. And it's time we stood up, faced the Lord, and stepped out and fulfilled our obligation as men. He was with her right there in the garden, but he was doing nothing. And as a result of that, the entire planet has been devastated from his actions. I do believe that we are meant to be people that don't just live an easy life. Men are not meant to just pick what's available that's easy, because that's what's happening in South Africa. Everyone's just picking the low-hanging fruit because they don't have to earn it or work for it, and they're not taking responsibility to keep the garden, cultivate the garden, develop the garden, and guard the garden. Crime is on the increase in South Africa. Why? Because men are not taking their responsibility. We just pick what's there. It's easy, and uh, we keep making excuses just like Adam did. Remember when the Lord came to Adam and said to him, what's happened here? It's the woman you gave me. Now we can't blame and make excuses. We have to take responsibility. Albert Schweitzer, the theologian and humanitarian, said this. He said, man must cease attributing his problems to his environment and learn again to exercise his will, his personal responsibility in the realm of faith and morals. Six things I see in this passage that I want to challenge you with tonight. Are you all good? Yeah. Number one, we're talking in general here, so don't feel, you know, picked on. We're talking to men, and we're having a men's meeting. Number one, man is supposed to guard the garden. That's what we've been made for. We are created to be keepers of the garden, the planet, and not in an environmental sense. We obviously need to be stewards. But that's become our obsession. People care about the environment, but they don't care about their marriage. 
They care about the environment, but they don't care about their children. No, no, we're meant to be keepers of everything that is growing in front of us. The church is busy growing. We are keepers of that. New people coming into the kingdom, new people being born again, we're keepers of that. You're having children, Keenan sitting in front of you, two children, you're a keeper of that. You're meant to nurture those children as they grow. It's not the pastor's responsibility. Firstly, you as a man in that home. You need to be teaching and instructing and leading your wife in the things of God. And then when we go to work, we're keepers of the garden. We shouldn't be doing what other people do, ducking out of work. Oh, they all go home early. Oh, these bosses don't know. No, you're a keeper of the garden. God's put you on the planet as a man to lead and to be a keeper of everything under his care. You think of the sin of the first two men in the Bible, Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel. They both didn't fulfill their responsibility and both made excuses. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. You're the keeper of the garden. And if he does something, you should go and consult with him and work with him. You shouldn't just kill him. <laughs> and we need to take responsibility. Our culture has, been lull, has lulled men into being consumers of entertainment instead of keepers of the garden. Now listen to me. I don't want you to feel condemned tonight in case you think I'm wrong. I watch soccer. I watch the motorsport. I record the GP. But my life does not revolve around it. And I will not let my mood be dictated by it. I personally don't like Max Verstappen because I don't like his attitude. He's improved a bit this year, but last year he was a pain. But I won't let that be the thing that rules my conversation and my conduct because actually it doesn't matter. Trust me, I've been alive long enough to see people like Michael Schumacher and Elaine Prost and all these people win over the years and lose over the years. It's actually not that important. We are keepers of the garden. And we need to be free to enjoy entertainment, but the enemy wants you to be absorbed by games and entertainment when God's actually called you to be responsible. Are you with me? Number two, man is supposed to rule on behalf of God. You are here on behalf of God. That's why men stand out the way they do. There's a God-likeness on us, different to that on women. The world wants to equalize the two, but God says, no, I've made you like me, a procreator. You plant seed, you create life, you nurture life, you rule. That's, that's part of your nature, not to dominate, but this, I've made you to do this on my behalf. Winston Churchill, in speaking of rulership, says the price of greatness is responsibility. And we're meant to protect our families, our wives, our church from the voice of the enemy. Adam lets Eve converse with the devil. We need to intervene and remind ourselves, remind our families what the voice of God sounds like. Do your children know what the voice of God sounds like? They need to know. You need to remind them. Don't just back down and let the world rule us. I think the crime in our country is at the level it is, is because we don't have men in leadership. We've got people who are consumers in leadership. They might be male, but they're not leading. And you might like, not like what I'm saying tonight, but it's the truth. And it's time South Africa started talking the truth instead of trying to be politically correct. We'll never get to the place we need to get unless everyone takes responsibility in our country. And I'm tired of hearing our government talk to the private sector. The private sector must come to the party. The private sector is running this country. 
Look at Rivers Church. What, what makes this entire neighborhood around us here the way it is? The streets are widened. The place is kept clean. It's because we take responsibility. We don't make excuses. And I find I get resentful when I go to Builder's Warehouse. Because you want me to pay your car guards when MassMart makes billions of, of rand a year, but I must pay your car guards. Why must I pay your car guards? When at church, I can pay my own car guards to protect our people. You don't want to take responsibility, and you want to make me feel guilty about it. I will not feel guilty. You should actually employ those people, pay them, and put a builder's warehouse T-shirt on them and say, these are our people. We train them to be hospitable, to carry your groceries, to carry your hardware, to open your car door if there's a woman, to help you with wood and stuff, and then to say, God bless you as you go. We rule on behalf of God, and men should not watch things fall apart. Men should be fixers. Are you with me? We can be male, but not be men. Number three. Man is supposed to work the garden. He's supposed to work the garden, not watch the garden. Chapter 2 and verse 15 says, to, the Lord put him there to work it. The New King James says, to keep it. And uh, we need to be keepers. The word shamar in the Hebrew is the word to God protect or watch over. And uh, if we don't do that, we need to recognize that there's another force at work. Negative forces are at work in your garden. If you don't look after a garden, weeds grow. Just leave it for three weeks. Go on holiday and don't, don't have a garden around and you'll see what natural forces do. But when it comes to social things, we don't seem to be aware of it. You've got to constantly be weeding out, caring, pruning, checking up, watering. This planet, our families, our church needs men to step in and say, we've got to work this thing. Have you ever noticed that women are attracted to men in uniform? So it's because they look smart. No, they've done studies on this. They say that women are attracted, number one, to firemen. It's not because of their muscles. They've done studies on this. They say that it's because firemen are available to jump and fix that which is broken, and that's incredibly attractive to women. Fifth on the list are police officers. Oh, because they've got authority. No, because they wear a uniform and have to maintain a dignity and a cleanliness about them. And women find they're fixers of society and also they can look after themselves. They're very attractive. You can have money, you can have wealth, but if you don't take care of yourself and you're not a fixer, you're actually not attractive. You buy yourself an expensive car and you think, well, now the chicks, they just spend a bit of time with you and they discover you're not a fixer. You're lazy. You want easy money. You want to get in the Bitcoin thing and you want to crack it, eh? And then you want to impress them with your convertible. And they're not attracted and you can't figure out why. Because they're attracted to something different because that's the way God's designed. Women come to men for protection, for them to be guarded, to, to be looked after. When something goes wrong, I can come to him, he'll make sure. And I'm not talking about punching someone in the face. I'm just talking about taking responsibility. Men are supposed to work the garden and be protectors and that's why women are attracted to men in uniform. Tiffany Grace Rays runs a, a website. It's called Love Panky. And she gives advice on relationships. She says this. She says, psychologists say that women gravitate towards men in uniform because their uniforms signify purpose and valor. 
They are the modern-day knights in shining armor, able to face all danger and deal with life's troubles, leaving us to feel like the fairy tale damsels in distress. Furthermore, it said that women find men in uniform to be, uniform to be attractive and favorable partners because their commitment to service somehow shows their commitment to providing security and stability in relationships and family life. Men in uniform give the impression that they deal with dangerous situations on a regular basis and valiantly conquer them all. A man in uniform would never be sloppy or unkempt. unkempt. Instead, he keeps his hair cropped and sharp and his face smooth and supple. Of course, unless he's got a beard. See, this is a take-charge, courageous kind of person who can look after their own body, who's the keeper of their own garden, and a woman says, man, surely if I get married to him, he'll keep me and my family and our garden. Are you with me? Man's meant to do that on God's behalf. Number four, is this helping you tonight? True masculinity is not the physique, it's a role. See, we tend to keep talking about manliness and men as something that's a physique. You know, it's a body size, beards, trying to be macho, pumping up your muscles. If you do all that stuff, that's okay. It's part of what you enjoy. But we have a role that's much more important than a look. You can be a thin guy, short guy. You might feel like you're not a proper man because you don't work out. You might feel, gee, I'm, I'm, I'm not very manly. No, no, manliness has got nothing to do with muscles. It's got everything to do with responsibility. And I've sometimes found guys who are so big, who've pumped so much iron, they can hardly brush their own teeth. They're too big to do anything because all they do is every day, that's all they're doing. And they come home, can you take the bin out? Yeah, here's the bin. <laughs> now I'm exaggerating and I know Ali pumps muscle here. But are you with me? That's not necessarily manly. It's, it's a hobby. It's a, you know, you want to develop your body, fine. But manliness is much deeper than that. It's a role, not a physique. And men can feel inferior, and we can create like a stereotype that we all aim for. But the big question is, what are we doing at home? What are we doing in the church? Are we developing our lives and developing our world? This thing has got a little bit distorted. And we need to be looking after the garden of the earth, the garden of the, of the home, the garden of business, and the garden of women. We are meant to be keepers of the garden where the woman lives. Men should never take advantage of a woman and, 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 and let Satan get into her. Our job is to protect her. She's a virgin. You guard her and you protect her on God's behalf. You don't take advantage of her. You don't, God forbid, you don't even smack her. Why? Because you're the keeper of the garden. And go into your garden and go to the palm tree, you idiot leaning over from the wind, come right. You'd never do that. It's your job to dig around it, stabilize it, tie it up. You wouldn't beat a woman up. Why? Because you're the keeper of that garden. Let me show you something here in the Song of Songs, chapter 4 and verse 12. You are a garden locked up, my sister, my bride. Every woman before you marry is your sister. My bride, you are a spring enclosed, a sealed fountain. Not open for everyone's occupation. Then chapter 5, he says, I have come into my garden. Now he marries her, my sister, my bride. I have gathered my myrrh with my spice. There's a time for us to care for women, protect women, even those who are not in our own family, 
and then there's a time to marry them, and then that garden becomes yours, and then you can occupy it and enjoy it, but you still have to tend it. Am I making sense? Gosh. See, it's not a physique, it's a role. It's a role. Number five, a man is meant to develop and rule his world, not be ruled by it. He's meant to take the weeds and the thorns and the chaos and the wind and not complain about it, rule over it, and get the world to develop, his garden to develop despite the circumstances. When the Lord came to Adam, he sought out the man. They were both to blame, but he came to the man. And he said, you're meant to rule, you're meant to develop, you're meant to lead, and you're not doing it. And uh, Brian Tracy said this, he's a, he's a great business leader, many of you would know him. Peak performance begins by taking complete responsibility for your life and everything that happens to you. Do you blame the economy? Do you blame the government? Do you blame rising interest rates, cost of living? Do you blame racism? Do you blame inequality? Are you looking for some excuse all the time to justify why you aren't where you should be? Or are you going, I don't care what wind blows or storm comes, I'm on this planet to develop, to become the best I can be, and I will press on. We've had to do that through COVID. We've had to come through it as a church. We've had to keep going, keep going. It's been incredibly hard. We keep going. We've come out the other side. Now we continue. And the job is to develop the church, to lead the church, to raise up more leaders, to raise up more pastors, to raise up more men. We've been praying and fasting for staff. We're into the next conference, the sisters' conference. We've got to keep going. Well, you know, it's after COVID. No one wants to come to church. They all want to watch online, you know, and everybody's into convenience and people don't give because of rising. And I will not, if I listen to that stuff, we'll go nowhere. You have to keep forging ahead because God says you must rule, you must lead, you must develop. And, uh, can I encourage you to not allow a get-by mentality to infect you? This world is hell-bent on stopping us from progressing. I don't know if you realize it. And it's all in the name of good things. Don't eat meat because you're killing animals. Read the book of Acts, chapter 10. When the sheep came down from heaven, Peter, arise, kill and eat. And he didn't say, yes, no, Lord, I've never killed anything. He said, no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. Why? Because killing animals is just part of what God has created us to do. Animals are there to serve us. We're not there to serve them. But our world is so sentimental, animals become, come before people. And the whole environmental thing has become an obsession. We're meant to progress. We're meant to dig coal out of the ground. We're meant to dig copper out of the hills. We're meant to mine silver and cadmium and all these things that God put in the ground. We're meant to drill for oil because he put them there and you can't burn anything or use anything without any kind of byproduct. Oh, solar panels we can, eh? Just give us 30 years, I won't be around. There's gonna be mountains of them that they don't know what to do with. But we are so short-sighted and obsessed with this religion that it's anti-progress. How do we progress in this world? How do we elevate the poor? By building by developing, by making profit. Yeah, but there's such inequality. Yeah, without inequality, there wouldn't be an elevation of the poor. We've got to develop. We've got to make profit. I just want to show you something here because I've, I've done a lot of reading on this, and I think it's important talking to men tonight because we are leaders. Don't get into this fear of climate disaster and fear of the future and vegetarianism. We need to eat this false meat. God help us. 
No, 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 listen, we are, we're getting so far away from the Bible, you wonder if God thought up and created this planet at all, or we masters of our destiny. I was reading here, it's, it's very interesting, I, sh I showed a video to some of the staff, but did you know that industry accounts for 43% of global emissions? I want you just to look at this graph here. Industry accounts for 43% of global emissions, agriculture 33%, transport 16%, listen, that's ships, trains, and cars. But guess which thing they're targeting? They're targeting the cars that are inside here that comprise only 4% of this. But they're taxing us, telling us we're killing the planet. If you drive a V8, people scorn you. I've got my badge on the side, V8 by turbo. Because I do not believe in this nonsense, this obsession that we are gripped with. And if you, do you know, just look at this next slide here. Did you know that all the Carnival Corporation ships emit 10 times more uh, uh, um, greenhouse gases than all the cars in Europe every year? But we're targeting cars. We're targeting cars. Where do you think we're going to get all the electricity to power these cars from? Yet there's this drive. If you don't drive a battery-powered car, you're living in the past. No, we, we, we do, they do not want us to develop our planet anymore. And we're obsessed with protecting anything instead of developing everything. Are you with me? So be careful that you're not gripped with this fear of profit, fear of progress. God's put you here to rule and develop His world. Hmm? EVs won't make much difference to greenhouse gases because just by the way, this is a fact. They only use... Only 3.6 billion tons of greenhouse gas are contributed to all the cars in the world of the 51 billion greenhouse gas tons per year. It's a fraction. But if you watch the news and you listen to governments, even my car, they're charging me eight, nine hundred rand a month. Why? Because you drive a V8. Where's that money going? The air isn't cleaner. We go along like sheep, and it's anti-progress. Uh, hear me tonight. I've got the mic so I can say stuff. I'm not saying if you must drive a V8 and you must be rebellious. I'm just saying don't be obsessed with stuff that's not important. And don't go along like a sheep. God put you on this planet. He created this planet. He promised Israel that when they went into the land, that they would dig copper from the hills. Mining is part of God's development plan. But man wants to be like Adam. He just wants to sit in the ground and pick the fruit. And that's what our country is doing. It just takes what's easy to take instead of developing. And we're just going down, down, down. And you know what? What's it going to take? Men. Men in business, men in the church, men in their homes, men in the country. If you get, get a chance and you're making notes tonight, watch a video called The Big Electric Vehicle Lie. The Big EV Lie. It's on YouTube and it'll give you a lot of information. I've, I've read numerous books on this. But all this stuff stops us from ruling and developing. Number six. You still there? The greatest threat to manhood is toxic passivity. Not homosexuality, not gender fluidity, toxic passivity. Because it's the exact opposite of why we were created. And you've got young men today, mostly, this is where we're going, indoors, no longer outdoors, indoors, playing games, watching porn, and doing very little with their lives. And they live for ease, for pleasure. They are playing sport, but they're not even active. It's on screen. 
It's in, an, it's, it's in the virtual world rather than in the real world. And we, you, you know what they say? We're not hurting anyone. Yeah, you're not hurting anyone, but you're not guarding and developing and caring for the planet. And as a result, men today are frustrated. They're angry. They're bored. Uh, I was reading here, and I'll come to a close soon. Just give me a couple of minutes here. There was a guy in France. He starts wildfires because he's bored. He says he was so frustrated with his oppressive family environment, in other words, being in a home with a mother and father and kids and bulls and stuff, that he went out and started making fires so that when the fire brigade came, it gave him an adrenaline rush, and then when they came to arrest him, it gave him social recognition. Talk about distorted. This man is supposed to be protecting the planet, guarding and being a keeper of the garden. Instead, he sets it on fire. It's because of toxic passivity. Another Louisiana man I was reading about, he was stuck in a traffic jam. So instead of listening to the radio and chatting to his friend, he gets out the car, tells his friend, you carry on, and he jumps off a bridge into an alligator-infested river. It's gone viral all over social media. He escapes the alligators, swims out, ends up on social media, ends up in the newspaper, and uh, they ask him, you know, why did you do it? Well, I just got frustrated sitting there. Well, if he had some more, maybe if he'd been working all day, he wouldn't have jumped off the bridge. He'd be like, well, we're stuck in traffic, but we'll eventually get home. But when you've got energy and you haven't worked, guess what's going to happen? And then there's another idiot who runs on the roof of trains, films himself running up and down the roof of trains, famous for doing stupid things, too much time on hand to do non-contributory pursuits. We're meant to be working. Am I making sense? Taking responsibility. And guess what? These people are admired instead of laughed at. And we've got young men who are no longer doing what God has called them to do because they don't know what God's called them to do. They don't know they're meant to be keepers of the garden. And they're hiding in bedrooms. You know, Jesus said, he said this. He said in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You know, when men no longer lead, we get trampled underfoot. And guess who tramples us underfoot? Women who tell us they don't need us because they can buy electric vibrators. They can get up ahead in business. No, come on. And they actually don't need some slob who doesn't know what he's supposed to do, who's too afraid to lead, who just wants to watch sport and do the easy stuff. We've lost our saltiness. We need to start realizing I'm a keeper of the garden. Where's God put me? He's put me on this planet. In my business world, I've got to be keeper of the garden. Even if I'm in a low-paying job, I've got to be keeper of the garden where I am. I've got to take responsibility. But I'm only a storeman. Take responsibility and don't take the stuff in the storeroom. If we all did that, this country would be incredible. And we must stop making excuses. The past and whatever. No, no, no. It's currently we need to take responsibility. I, I, I want to close with this, and I just want to show you a video in a moment. But I was reading in that in Japan, there's this guy. His name is Akuyu Nakamura. He's a 34-year-old, 34-year-old Japanese man. He hasn't left his room in seven years. This photo was published in the National Geographic magazine and on their website as part of a story of a growing trend in Japan known as Hikikomori. 
It's people who mainly, mainly men who haven't participated in society or shown a desire to do so for at least a year. They rely instead on their parents to take care of them. In 2016, the Japanese government census put the figure at 540,000 for people aged 15 to 39, but it could be double that number. Since many prefer to stay entirely hidden, they remain uncounted. The hikokomori phenomena isn't limited to Japan. People are increasingly shutting themselves out of real life and choosing to live their entire lives online. As technology advances, this article says, this is a trend that will only increase. Men do not know what they're supposed to do. We've lost sight that we are keepers of the garden and we need to make a difference in our world. We need to take responsibility and not say, I'm not my brother's keeper. It's not my business. We need to step in. As I close, I want you to watch this short video. It happened in Rudaput. This guy is the owner of a restaurant in Rudaput. His name is Dishal Suku. I think he's an Indian. He's a restaurant owner, but he's been doing martial arts for four years. Watch out. And he was sitting in this restaurant and he was just watching the goings on and he noticed a woman with a child and he noticed a man behaving strangely. And so he went on guard. Let's have a look at the video and see what happens. At a time where the country is gradually transitioning back to normal, the public is reminded to remain vigilant. A recent video making the rounds on social media horrifically depicts this. The video begins with two women and a child seated at a pizza parlor. Seconds later, the suspect is seen storming into the restaurant and grabbing the child. The owner, who acted swiftly, anonymously detailed the encounter. We were sitting outside and there were other customers here. There was a lady with her two kids. And uh, I noticed that there was a guy running um, in, in the shop, from outside even into the shopping center. And um, when I saw him coming towards us is when um, my guard went up. So as soon as I saw him come towards the restaurant and jump over is when I, in, I stood up and intervened. At the time, my only thought was I need to save this child. And the only way to do that was to restrain him in such a way that he would let go of the child. The child was traumatized. She was actually hysterical and um, she couldn't control herself. And she was about six years old probably. But yeah. She was really hysterical, and they were here for quite some time before they actually calmed down and they could leave. Do you know, most people would have just sat there and said, it's not my business. But he was aware and alert to the fact that that guy was behaving suspiciously, and because it was his restaurant, he was determined that he would protect her. I think that's the posture that all men need to have, and I'm not suggesting we go around grabbing people around the neck and so on. But there's a sense of responsibility that we should carry on God's behalf. For our church, Rivers Church, shouldn't be more women serving than men for the worship team, for ushering, for car park, for, for the ministry, in our families. We shouldn't be like Adam, letting the devil talk nonsense into our family, into our homes, and we do nothing. We are keepers of the garden. And I want to ask you tonight, what areas do you feel God speaking to you that you should take responsibility in tonight as you've listened to this message? What has God said to you tonight? What is he calling you to do? Which area is it that you need to do something in? What is the area that you need to guard? What is the area where you need to say, I need to protect this? And in what area do you need to begin to step out and develop? Because we've been made keepers of the garden.
I want to pray with you tonight. And uh, have you been helped? Challenged, I did say. I want to rally us. I want to challenge you. God wants us to develop. At my age, I'm not stopping developing. I want to develop myself. I want to keep growing. I'm keeping on reading. I've been in the ministry for 40 years next year. I'm going to keep reading. I'm going to keep growing. I want to keep raising up young people. I want to keep bringing people on team. We want to keep opening campuses. We want to buy property. We want to develop. We've got to keep going. The alternative is you die. Guess what happens to people when they retire? They stop developing. They stop working. They stop being keepers of the garden. It's not good for you. Your health goes down. God's designed us to live fruitful lives and to be people that he can count on to rule on his behalf. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.